0: Welcome to the HeartStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lindberg. Like many of you, I'm living a life that I just did not expect. And over the years, I've come to value the idea of living heartstrong, of growing through the challenges in my life, and let's face it, the challenges in our times. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. So each week, I talk to thought leaders, authors, experts, and everyday amazing people Who have something to teach us all about living fully amidst our struggles. I have learned so much from others along my journey, and so I hope that my guests will help you on yours. Let's get started. So on today's podcast, I'm joined by Jeff Olson. Jeff is a best-selling author who has just an incredible story of perseverance and inner strength. After a horrific accident that took the lives of his wife and his youngest son and also inflicted on him really multiple life-threatening injuries, including the amputation of his left leg, he found courage to survive over 18 surgeries and eventually heal both physically and emotionally. At the time of his accident, Jeff had a really unbelievable out-of-body and near-death experience, bringing him insights that are not common today. He appears on national and international television and radio programs. He's a speaker and an author um, and just sharing what he's learned with people. His latest book, um, Knowing, is a compilation of his earlier books and I've read it. It's, It's an incredible read. We'll link it in the notes, but he also has a new book coming out on May 18th. And so we'll chat about that as well. But Jeff says that among his many accomplishments, he is most fulfilled by simply being a husband, a father and a friend. So welcome to the podcast, Jeff. I'm so grateful to have this time with you.
1: Oh, thank you, Jessica. It's an honor. It's an honor to be with you.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. You know, I've been wanting to talk about near-death experiences for a while on the podcast. Um, You know, I think a lot of people wonder, like, what happens when we die? And what is that experience like? And for me, um, I really dove profusely into reading about near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences after the death of my son. And I read your two books, and I think that I, I was so taken to them because Ethan had a prolonged medical course, and you you did too. And so I really was was just I think searching for insight in your in your words, and I and I really found that. So so I want to thank you for the courage to share your story, and and I want to start with your story because I think it will give the audience just like a. You know, a way to, to kind of frame the conversation. So it starts with a devastating accident. And um, can you tell us about that and what happened? And just kind of the 30,000 foot view of your story as we begin.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll do this as briefly as possible. And, you know, I want everyone to understand it's been 25 years ago, it's literally been over two decades. Um, so I can talk about it. I mean, and I can talk about it quite openly. I, I couldn't speak of it for, almost a decade, mm-hmm. I, I would just cry and fall apart. Um, it was too painful, too personal. And, and, and yet with the tragedy, there was profound things as you said, but the, the accident was a single car rollover. Uh, I was driving, the whole family was in the car. It was me, my wife and our two boys. Our oldest son was seven years old at the time. And the youngest was just 14 months, just a toddler. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it's a difficult, I mean, it it has been 25 years, sometimes it's still difficult to talk about it. But, but, um, you know, there was reports of crosswinds, there was reports of a a pickup truck that was driving erratically on the interstate. One of the toughest things about the story is I I believe I may have just dozed off at the wheel, just briefly, like when you just nod off, Mm-hmm. All I remember is swerving drastically to the right, overcorrecting to the left, and I lost control of the car, and the car began to roll, um, not off the road, but down the road, propelled on the concrete at at high speeds. And um the accident reports say the car probably rolled six or eight times. Wow. And uh I I blacked out for that, you know. I, sure. I do recall. I do recall the moments of losing control. Um. But when the car came to a stop, I was completely conscious, and the first thing I heard was Spencer, um, I, you know our seven-year-old, crying in the back seat, hysterically crying. And my thought as a father was, I got to get to him. I got to get to my son. He's he's okay. It was a cry where you know, and he was banged up a little bit, but it's like, wow, he's okay, I gotta get to him. And that's when I realized I could not move. Um, I was pinned either to the floorboard or the seat. I couldn't tell, There was all the broken glass, There was the rancid smell of gasoline. And I was, I was unaware of my injuries. Um, what had actually happened to me is both of my legs were crushed. Uh, my left leg was eventually amputated above the knee. My back was uh, damaged and broken. Um, It didn't didn't affect the spinal column, but two vertebrae were cracked. My hip was all messed up from the seatbelt, which had cut through my midsection and ruptured all my insides. And then my right arm had been almost torn off, torn out. I mean, there was no muscle through the rotator cuff or even attaching it. But I was unaware of the physical injuries. I mean, I knew I was in pain. I knew I was struggling to breathe. But the adrenaline was, wow, my son's crying. I've got to get to him. But that's when I realized that no one else was crying. And I became acutely aware at the scene of the accident that Tamara, my wife, and Griffin, my youngest son, were both, they were both gone. They were killed instantly in the accident. And... um, that's, you know, that's the worst hell I think <laughs> a man could be in. It's certainly mm-hmm. been my darkest moment is there I am pinned. I'm helpless. I've got a hysterical child in the back seat. I can't get to him. Half the family's gone. And I, and I was driving the car, mm. um, yeah. you know, the, the guilt. The, I mean, just like, gosh, can I get those two seconds back? What happened? And and it was horrific. And I, I only set that up not to be graphic or, or morbid, um, but to set the the stage for. In that darkness, in that horrible, terrible, horrific moment, um, I felt light come. And, mm-hmm. and I I sometimes struggle for the words to. Light literally, it felt like light came rushing, light surrounded me. The light seemed tangible, almost comforting me in this horrible, dark moment. It felt like I was rising above the accident scene. And suddenly, I could breathe. I wasn't in pain. I was like, what's going on? How how can I be okay? I was almost questioning, how can I possibly be okay? and the emotional grief, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I wasn't even aware of the physical injuries, but suddenly there was no pain. I was breathing fine. I was in this holding bubble of light, if you will. And yet, once I came to grips with, wow, I'm, I'm okay. My wife, suddenly, who I knew was deceased at the scene, suddenly here she was with me. With me in this light and she was fine uh, she was gorgeous she was radiant but she was adamant that i could not stay hmm. we we were having a conversation she's like look you've got to go back you've got to go back you can't come you've got to go back and we were literally talking about if i stayed spencer our oldest son who was crying in the back seat mm-hmm. would be orphaned and when we literally had a conversation and made a choice that i was coming back
2: Hmm.
1: um and that's that's just the beginning of of this out of body or near-death experience but that's what happened at the scene of the accident that's the catalyst for what happened but there was so much more that we can get into later if you want about what took place the conversations the coming back into this realm the reuniting with my body if you will
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then the aftermath um, it's like the door never really shut. Hmm. The door to that other side, if you will. Yeah, it was open. Really it was open. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So before all of this happened, you know, yeah. I'm curious. Like, were what did you believe? You know, about had you ever thought about any of these things before?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I I had lost a business partner to death. A year mm-hmm. previous to this, a young man, he was an airline, you know, he flew a little twin engine Cessna plane. Mm-hmm. And so both my wife and I had become acutely aware as we watched him at age 29, you know, pass away and, and, and watching his, his wife, his widow, you know, mm-hmm. and all the realities. So, so we had talked about it and actually, um, I was religious. I, I was a conservative Christian religious guy and wow. And and I, I'm not I'm not making light of that. I I honor that. And yet, you know, the near-death experience kind of blew the lid off of mm. everything I thought I believed. It expanded it in such a way that 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 was a process too. Like coming back and thinking, okay, how do I how do I make sense? Yeah, of what happened with the overlay of what I believed, and 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 yet, you know it was just more, it was, it was, yeah, it was big, but I, I was, I was a conservative Christian and, and quite religious, and yet the near-death experience kind of shifted all that faith and belief uh, into absolute trust. uh, There was so much, there was so much um, love, so much connection, and And it's, it's interesting when we talk about beliefs, you know, as a believer, oh yes, there's, you know, but beliefs are just beliefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, until you experience something and experience, experience Mm -hmm. to me, that's the only true teacher until you experience something, you really can't know. It's just a belief. Mm
0: -hmm. And I, I think that, you know, this is such an important topic for people because when you have a significant experience in your life, when someone you're loved, I mean, when my son died, I remember thinking I have spouted all these beliefs for my 35 years. I have said, I've believed all of these things. I have no, I don't know that I believe them. I don't know. I need to relook at all of this again. And it's not only that you're you're mourning the, these the death of somebody that you love, but then there's also kind of this existential crisis that I think not, I mean, I don't know that everyone goes through, but I know that I went through it, my husband went through it. it sounds like you went through it. It's like what does I think that's such an important part of the story. I think yes. it's it's the invitation of that. So you know, I have I want to talk about your actual experience, but since we're here in this part of the conversation, like could you talk to us about, what did you feel like you had to re-explore? What were some of those, those, those things that um, you were kind of wrestling with? Yeah. Well, I think
1: number one, you know, but before we dive into that though,
0: yeah.
1: what, what was the age of your son when he passed? He was seven. Seven. So he was the age of my Spencer when the accident happened. Yes. Well, what is, what is your son's name? Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. Oh, I love that name. I, yeah. I, my, my business partner had a son, Ethan. <laughs> oh,
0: really? Yes. Ethan yeah. was a very happy kid. He taught me all about living.
1: Yes, they do. They, yeah. come, they come as messengers. My little Griffin that was only 14 months old, he taught me a lot in those 14 mm-hmm. months. And he probably taught me more in, in, in graduating, exiting mm-hmm. this life. He taught me more in his death than he did in the 14 months of life. And yet, those 14 months, just like your seven years, become so valuable, you know, so oh, cherished, yeah. so, so like, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you for mm-hmm. that year we got to mm-hmm. be together. Um, and, you know, to, to your question, and forgive me, I just, I just, yeah, want no, to, yeah. You know, I always, it's context. Anybody who's had a child pass, I I don't know for me there there is no deeper pain mm. in this world than 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 dealing with the the exit of a child um mm-hmm. for me it just it gutted me i mean it was it changed me forever um and you know i i just wanted to connect in that way Yeah, oh, no thank you and, yeah and and the, the you know the question you asked about um Remind me where we were going before I derailed this Here,
0: Oh, no. Well, you kind of said that after this whole thing happened, you know, you had been, you had these beliefs and then it kind of oh, blew yeah. the lid off of it, you said. Yeah. So Yeah. Okay. So can man, you talk man. a little bit about what that felt like?
1: Yeah. Forgive me for digressing, but I just couldn't look at you without knowing. About yeah. It. And so <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believed. I grew up believing mm-hmm. um, that that life was a test, mm-hmm. um, that that. God, you know, was watching and keeping score, and that I was most likely failing the test, you know, and that and that I was going to be judged, and that um, I'd never make it anyway, you know. I mean, it, 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 it's a very, it, you know, it was a very conservative Christian. Wow, yeah. you know, I mean. Uh, you know, we're we're lost and burning, and and somebody better save us, because we're you, you know we're we're we, you know we 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 have this chasm between ourselves and deity that that can never be bridged by me alone. You know, and 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 I realize you know beliefs are a sacred thing. I I don't want to tread on anyone's beliefs. In fact, I honor people's beliefs because that's where they are, and that's what's true for them. And so often we get caught up in the truth. And i'm interested in what's your truth and Mm. this is my truth and this is our experience but but that's what i believed. and and Mm. and i i gotta maybe expound on the near-death experience a little bit we can bring this to context of what shifted you know what Mm -hmm. what changed and and i'll i'll cut to the chase there was a part of the near-death experience part of me you know that open door going back Mm. and forth and i was in the hospital for almost six months I had 18 surgeries putting me all back together. I had many more life and death, you know, close calls. I threw not one, but two pulmonary emboli, the blood clots that lodge in your lungs, and that almost. So there was a lot of stuff going on physically, spiritually, on an occasion at the end of my hospital stay. And it's probably worth pointing out that the two most vivid out of body or near death experiences. We're at the scene of the accident, you know, before they had, to, they had to extricate me from the car and life flight me or airlift me to the nearest level one trauma center. But the near-death experience was before any narcotics or morphine mm-hmm. had been administered. The other profound thing that may be the most profound, which I'm going to touch on now, happened at the end of my hospital stay. Mm. When I was off of all the heavy narcotics. I was simply taking some Tylenol. I was in the rehabilitation wing. But on one particular night, that light came again. Mm-hmm. I, I was in the hospital bed and it was so interesting because I was finally able to sleep on my side. I, I had laid so long on my back, I had rubbed all the hair off the, back, <laughs> of my head, on the back of my head. But this night I was, they had stabilized all the abdominal wounds and the colostomy, and all that I had to deal with with the rupture of my intestines. And I was sleeping on my side and that light came. That, that same tangible, loving light. And I was so deep in grief. Mm. And it felt again like I was rising above the hospital bed. But on this occasion, the light kind of dispensed, and I was alone. You know, my wife wasn't there this time. It was me alone, but I was in the most beautiful place. Um, You know, people say heaven, the spirit world. The, The only word that comes close to what I experienced was I was home. I was home. It's like, I, 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 it was so familiar, so welcoming. It was, it was like a remembrance. It's like, wow, I'm home. <laughs> and, and, and almost like I had returned back and, um, and I was joyfully running. I mean, with the amputation and all, I don't run in this realm, but in that realm, I had both legs, both feet, and I was joyfully running and having such a like a physical experience i could feel i could feel the energy of the ground under my feet i could feel the intelligence in my calves and thighs as i ran it was a, it was it was magnified beyond the senses in this realm and 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 i was I, w- I was joyfully thinking i'm home i got the message i wasn't there to stay and at that same time there was this corridor off to my left and i knew i'm to go that way and I intuitively went down the corridor. And at the end of the corridor was a crib. And my little toddler son, Griffin, had been sleeping in a crib at the time of the accident, being just a toddler. And so I raced to the crib. And there he was. Hmm. There was my little boy. Um, you know, and, and Jessica, you've been through this. I mean, you can imagine the encounter of Oh my gosh there's my child and and i swept him up in my arms and and i was i was marveling it i could feel him like i you picked up a sleeping child yeah i mean there's a heat and a weight yeah. to them and, and i was experiencing that in such a physical way i was even questioning okay i i get that i'm out of the body again but i'm experiencing things so physically and I held him against me and it was solid and I could feel him breathing. I could feel his breath on my neck. I, uh, it, I leaned over and I, I smelled his hair. I don't know if you've ever smelled the hair of-
0: Oh of yes, that. they smell so good when they're babies like that. But I'm like,
1: that. it's my boy. It was, I mean, the, you know every, every sense, the, the touch, the, 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 the sense, the smell, I'm like, it's really him. And I began weeping. Just thinking I'm holding my little boy and mm-hmm. he's okay. I, I had, I mean, just the, the guilt, the grief, the, the and, and yet as I held him, I felt this presence, this overwhelming presence coming up behind me. Um, something so powerful, so cosmic, so big, so wise, mm-hmm. um, overwhelming really. And this is where my beliefs start to kick in. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, no, that's God, you know, and I'm holding my little boy and that guilt sinks in again. I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. My little boy's here because I crashed the car. His life was cut kind of short because I messed up or overcorrected. or And, and I, I best, you know, the guilt was coming in this presence is coming closer and closer. And, and I had this thought, And I thought, I hope there's some way I can be forgiven. Mm. And this is where everything just shifted. Because this was my perception of deity, right? Mm. As I have the thought, I hope I can be forgiven. And this almost felt physical too. These divine arms wrapped around from behind me and held both me and my son.
2: Mm.
1: And it's like the lid just came off. There was this flood of information, of, of communication, both verbal. Some things were said to me by this beautiful being that held me. And so many things were just telepathically dumped into my being, you know. And, and yet all of it felt like such a remembering again. It was like, wow, this yeah, I knew that. But here was, here, here's what shifted. As I'm thinking, uh-oh, there's God. I'm in trouble. I'm failing the test. And those arms come around me and I'm thinking, I hope I can be forgiven. The resounding message was there's nothing to forgive. Wow. Everything is in perfect order. Hmm. And then I had, I guess, what I'm told they call the life review. I begin to see my life. And I'm seeing, you know, me as a child and my brothers and my parents divorce and what went on, but I'm seeing it so differently you know I mean for instance this is one little caveat and and here again we could talk for two hours about this but I always felt that my big brother was just mean to me my parents divorced when I was very young and he was only gosh I think he was at the tender age of eight maybe seven maybe that seven years old thing is and I was like four you know and I always believed Here's again, those beliefs. I believed he was mean to me. Boy, he demanded a lot. Boy, he became the father figure and he just wanted so much. As I watched that play out, I'm realizing, wow, he loved me that much. My my big brother at the tender age of eight took on the father figure role and wanted to teach me and train me and never let me screw up. And so I'm seeing my life beyond my judgments and my beliefs through through divine eyes. I'm like, wow, look how much my brother loved me. And I didn't realize it. I thought he was being mean. And, and you know, it, it, that's just one little caveat. But I see my life. I realize the accident. And I'm feeling nothing but pure, divine, unconditional, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Love with no conditions. Now, we can talk about that, but to experience yeah. that, even as I'm looking at my life and saying, well, that that was a mistake. I didn't mean to do that. The being is communicating to me, this deity, God, if you will, is saying, there are no mistakes. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from it, my beloved child? And I'm thinking, yeah, but that was wrong. And I knew it was wrong. And I did it anyway. And it was literally communicated to me. That's your judgment of it, not ours.
0: Wow. We,
1: we love you. And here's where it expanded. So I'm holding my own son. I know this is a very long answer to your very simple question. I'm holding my son. And what's communicated to me is that I am as beloved and cherished and precious as the child I hold is to me. So there's this weird magnification of, yep, I'm looking at my boy and he's perfect. And he's amazing and he's divine. and it's being communicated to me. So are you in this very personal way? But I realized it—it it, it rippled out to all of humanity. I'm like, wow, we're that loved. Wow. We're that beloved, and um, and it's like I was seeing everything through God's eyes. It's almost, I mean, you know, I say this sometimes, and it feels so weird to say it. But when those arms wrapped around me, it's almost like me and my son became one with the divine and and suddenly we were that we were the divine we were seeing things I was seeing things in such a different way but the bottom line is what I believed that life was a test and I was in trouble
2: Mm.
1: what I experienced was complete non-judgment complete unconditional love and I even I even said or thought in this communication Wow, i really i really failed the test i crashed the car and and what god said to me is no 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 my son it's not a test life is a gift Mm. it's an absolute beautiful gift and there's no accidents everything that happened you created and your family created it and the whole universe we supported it for your soul's experience because that's what you wanted and i was like wow so there was this big thing about accountability no judgment and it it just shifted everything so yeah my my beliefs transformed from faith to to love and trust
0: Hmm. wow that's incredible I mean just I was just as you were saying that I was just thinking what that would feel like to have that that love I mean you know self-love I think is a really challenging thing for people in our culture especially and I think there's you know self-judgment um I mean I know you know after my son Ethan died I made a lot of medical decisions for him. my husband and I made a lot of choices and you know it was very difficult and things didn't go the way that we had hoped and planned and there were a lot of nuances to the story and so I can totally relate to that guilt like I felt like I had done this to him you know and it took so, and I think that guilt is such an inhibition to healing in our life with whatever you're going through, you feel the guilt and it, it kind of keeps you away from experiencing love, whether it's from other people or from God. And that, that idea of that embrace is something that is, I think we all long for really, you know, that's, you, you talked about, you know, you had 18 surgeries, you had your leg amputated, you were, you know, you were in so much pain for so much, and, and, you know, and you talk about seeing your mangled body in the bed and how awful that was. I mean, you're a football player, an athletic person, and, um, but just that, that you had that realization that we're a temple of God's love, you know, has that Stayed with you or how have you like incorporated that into your your the life that you live for the last 25 years what does that look like
1: you know it's an interesting question because i'm still a normal guy i go to work every day i get mad at the guy on the freeway that cuts me (laughs) off and and yet the the, the difference is if i feel even anger which even now i'm placing judgment well i shouldn't feel angry even anger, what a beautiful emotion. Wow, I get to feel that. I get to get all fired up and, and mm-hmm. feel that. And so what shifted for me, and, and I haven't held on to it every day. Like, like I say, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was an, an experience I can recount as if it was yesterday.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: changed me forever. Do I walk around every day in, in some kind of a pristine, you know, divine, unconditional state of love? I I no, not not necessarily. There are moments when it really comes through powerfully and strong. But what I've held on to is just not to judge. Hmm. I just, you know, there's even when I came back, you know, when, when we made the choice, Tamara and I, here I am on the other side talking to her and she's saying, you've got to go back. In making that choice to come back, I was wandering through the hospital moving about out, outside of my body. I'm a soul, I suppose, moving through the hospital, but I'm seeing all the doctors and nurses and the patients and the family members of the patients. But I was seeing them in such a different way. Um, I, I, I knew everything about them. I knew their love, their hate, their motivations, their guilt, their joy. Their, I, I, I knew them as if they were me. I, I, I was them and they were me, I call it the oneness, suddenly I was in this oneness, I was connected, and it didn't matter who they were, or what they did or what they didn't do, they all felt so magnificent,
2: mm.
1: from the heroin addict to the saintly grandmother, and you know, coming from that conservative Christian background, I did have biblical verse come to me. I'm looking at these people and I'm feeling them like they're they're me and I'm them. And it's coupled with this intense love, not a romantic love, a, a, a divine connection mm-hmm. and love for the magnificence of their soul. And the biblical verse that came was the famous one where Jesus said, Inasmuch as you do it unto the least of one of these, you've done it unto me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which I used to think was a nice verse about being nice, and this this is a build on the first question, like how is my you know how has, has my beliefs or my faith changed? Suddenly there was such deeper meaning to this. I thought it was a nice verse about being nice, but I'm thinking, wow, I'm them and they're me when 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 Jesus said this, that's what he was saying. I am the naked beggar on the street. I am the stranger, I am the guy in prison. We are one, and that's what I was experiencing is there was a oneness where I was them, they were me, and judgments and comparison just went out the window because there was this absolute, what? This, this comprehension, this connection, this knowing, and, and it transformed everything, everything. <laughs> that yeah. I thought I knew, So, and that has stuck with me. I mean, do I still get in my judgment? Yes. You know, do I still folly around it? We, we live in duality. That's mm-hmm. part of the experience. But there are moments when it opens up and I'm like, yeah, I remember. We're all, you know, there's no, now I say there's no stepchildren in God's family. We're all here doing this together. We're all unique. We're doing it differently. And the entire universe just says, wow, look at, look at my children. They're learning to walk, you know? Um. Like that toddler I held, it's like, that's, that's how the entire universe feels about us. Look at look at how beautiful they're expanding their souls, right?
0: So would you say that you believe that life is a school? Like, are we here for, you, you've mentioned soul expansion a few times. Like, is that yeah. why we're here?
1: I, I believe it is. I believe it is. And my, you know, as I had these strange rememberings coming back and forth, that's what it was. It's like, wow, you mean I chose this? Mm. I, I said, hey, my soul wants to learn forgiveness.
0: Mm.
1: Well, who's the hardest to forgive? Oh, I forgive people really easily. How well do you forgive yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I'm hard on myself. Wow. Well, what if there's a situation where you crash the car?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And half the family's gone, and 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 you know, I I believe Tamron Griffin probably said we could yeah we we will do that. We love you enough to do that that your soul might get, you know, what you came to learn. And if that's self forgiveness, yeah, this is a big one. This is a big test. You know, we'll 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 set the stage so that you can do that. And we realize it might take you a decade. Mm. But we'll love you through it and you know so that yeah so there was these different insights to to how and why and 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 what we were here to learn so yeah school and and yet maybe we're remembering what we already know i don't what we know we already know <clears throat>
0: from 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 your experience i mean do you think that people die on time
1: yes I, I do. I've had, oh, well, it's just, you'll probably think I'm crazy as I share these things. No, I, I don't. I've had dreams. I've had dreams or, or visions, if you will, where, well, Griffin, my toddler, he's come to me in a couple of dreams and, and one was a lucid dream. I was awake, but suddenly, mm-hmm. boom, I, it's like in my mind's eye, he's there and we're communicating. But he told me just that. No one leaves one minute before they're meant to. Hmm. And I, because I, I just, I was always lamenting, why so young? We didn't get to yep. spend the time. I never got to see you play that game or or sing that song. And, 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 and he always calls me, saying, "All things are in divine order. Remember, mm. and, and I'm right here with you. Mm. If you're, I, I am singing that song. If you just. I don't know. This is another long answer. I, I. It's funny. The local high school. This was not that long ago. And um, they they asked me to come and speak at their graduation ceremony. And, and, and they 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 weren't touching on the spiritual things at all. They're like, come and speak on motivation. Come and speak about perseverance, about taking on the world. You know, no matter what happens. And I said, okay, yeah, that'd be great. And so I go to the high school. And I'm sitting there and um, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I started doing the math. Wow, how long has it been? And I started counting the years and suddenly I realized, wow, this would have been Griffin, my son's graduating class. Wow. He would have been 18. These, These are the kids. These are the kids he would have graduated high school with. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I swear, it felt like he just came and sat next to me, put his arm around me and said, that's right, dad. These these would have been my teammates. These would have been my girlfriends. These would have been, it was such an emotional thing. And I felt him so close. And yet he reminded me, but it's all in perfect order because we're still here doing it together. And, and, you know, I, I had to take the podium and gosh, they marched those seniors out, beautiful young people, and I just, I, I wept, I, I couldn't even hardly, I had to really get a grip to even give a speech and it, it wasn't about motivation, it was literally quite different, but it worked because I think we have angels, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't know he would have been in that class or anything else, but I think those that are on the other side are always working with us for us. They're watching us, they're cheering us on, and they're laughing at us, and they're not nearly as judgmental of us as we are of, we a, are of ourselves. ourselves.
0: Wow. Yeah, you know, I I have really thought through that as well. And I and I I agree with you. I I was. I caught somebody's post today on Facebook. It was a, somebody was talking about, um, how their child had been stolen from them. You know, I have a lot of friends who's been on my social media feed whose children have died. And that really jolted me because I remember feeling that way. And I don't feel like that now, you know, I, I remember feeling this is, this is, this isn't fair. You know, this is, and then I kind of have come to the place where I, Ethan had seven years. And I think that was, he was here for seven years and that was his assignment. That's what he was supposed to come here for. And he went through all these things and why, and some of those questions I don't have the answers to, but I think that's, that was his, that was his path you know? And um, is it still hard to accept some days? Yeah, of course it is. When you sit in those graduation, I, you know, he would be um, looking at colleges now and, you know, and, and, and he, there's kids all around me in my neighborhood who are his age. And you just find yourself pause and you're like, hmm, you know, and, and it brings a tear to your eye and it is hard, but I also feel like it's, gosh, there's so much more than we can see you know that's it and so I think that that's um so I'm just wondering like did you have that feeling of this is so unfair I'm so mad about this there there's I was they've been stolen from me did you experience that
1: absolutely absolutely I did and 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 that was part of the pinnacle and I'll I'll share this because I laid for those months in the hospital so angry and Mm -hmm. and yet so guilt-ridden because who was I to blame I was driving the car I mean The self-loathing and the anger, and and, and this was very key, and this this is in the book, Um, and you may recall when I was holding my son, the divine being that held me gave me a choice, and and it was literally communicated. Look, you can hate us. You can be angry at God your whole life and feel like your family was ripped away from you, and that's okay. You can feel that way you can beat yourself up the rest of your life and feel guilty because you were driving the car that's a choice you can do that but this beautiful magnificent being said there's another choice what was communicated and and the, the 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 figure that held me was was male it was very male but there was also this divine feminine energy as well but the The divine being who held me that I called God said to me, I want you to exercise your will in this. And I'm like, my will? And here again, the conservative Christian said, I thought it was your will be done. And this beautiful being, God said to me, your will is my will. That's how much we love you. My will has always been that you have a choice and he offered you can exercise your will by giving your son to me you can trust and hand him over you can you can you can hand him off and know he's in good hands and trust and exercise your will so that you don't feel like he was stolen and ripped from you. At least you made a choice in handing him over and releasing it. And in all that love and all that peace and all that joy, I did. I, I kissed my little boy and I gave him back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now there's still days I say, "Why didn't I just hold on? Why, you know, why didn't I?" But but in all, I mean, I in that beauty, in that realm, in all that love, it's like that's right. I can choose.
0: Mm-hmm. I can
1: choose to give him and not have him taken. Hmm. And that that was big for me. Uh,
0: yeah, that is really big. And and so you talked a couple of times about choice in your um, in your book. And and so you had the choice. Did you feel like you had the choice to either stay or to continue your earthly life? Did you feel like that was your you could have done either one?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, my experience is this, you know, I'll, I'll be very <laughs> candid, yeah, there's always choice. Mm. I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that's the only cosmic rule is there's free will and choice. You get to mm. choose. Now, as I was there with my deceased wife and we're literally having the conversation about I got to come back. I really wanted to stay with her. Mm. I was torn because, yeah, I knew I had a little boy that was going to be OK. And of course, he needed a parent. But there was a there was a what there was an inner knowing there was a higher knowing it's almost like my soul knew I was coming back it's almost like yep there's been a plan there's a blueprint you can always change it you've always got free will but somehow my my what my higher knowing was yeah I'm going back and um and we already decided this in some weird cosmic way so although there was choice it felt like I've got a blueprint and I know it and I helped create it. So let's get on with it and go back, you know?
0: So you and so that was, so it was like, it was a knowing, but a choice. It was kind of, so, yeah, so, yeah so it, I,
1: both. I, know, I know. It sounds like a dichotomy. I, you know, there's, I believe we have a soul's journey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, is everything predestined? Not necessarily. We just have the roadmap and yet at every turn, there's free will and choice Mm. Uh, but in this case it's like I yeah I knew you knew the choice was to come back and um, and I didn't fight it you know I guess I could have sat and argued and said nope I'm staying here but there was a there was a a deeper knowing that said yep you're Mm. gonna go back and you've got stuff to do and number one you've got to raise a boy Mm
0: -hmm. so do you feel like like, why do you think you, your soul chose to stay like you to raise your son? Was there something else that you think that you're here to well, do still?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the, here's the, I mean, and, and here again, just to understand it's been 25 years. Yeah. So I, you know, I can talk about it now. I couldn't even talk about it back then, but what, what transpired in coming back and raising my son, I mean. I eventually fell in love again.
2: Mm-hmm. I wanted it to talk about miracle. that.
1: I, I, I remarried. Mm-hmm. Tanya, my current wife, we've adopted two boys, two brothers. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's almost like a whole nother lifetime has unfolded in such a beautiful, magnificent way. Not that it doesn't have its challenges, it does. But, but you know, I and, and this is where I maybe different i mean i I didn't see the future in my near-death experience it wasn't like oh you're gonna go back and cure cancer (laughs) everything was so personal but it's like now you know i'll play catch with my youngest son and i'm like this is what i'm here for Mm
2: -hmm. you know or
1: i'll I'll sit with tanya and we'll watch a sunset and i'm like wow this that's the big deal that's why i came back that's why i'm here and so it's in those little things for me
0: it's almost like you're seeing in with a different set of lenses. Everything's more colorful, everything's more potent, or something that, that you're experiencing. I think I, I, that is so fascinating and such an important thing to highlight because, again, we have this culture where it's like, you know, you're supposed to cure cancer and, and be, do all these big things, right? And I think some people are here to do those things. And mm-hmm. if we feel called to those things, we can all aspire to things, but, but we get so caught up in that stuff. Right. And so the big thing is playing catch. It's watching the sunset. It's what if we treated those things like the big things?
1: Yes. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's like, they are the big things, you know, they, they really are the big things. And I mean, in, in my whole near-death experience, there was no judgment. It wasn't like, well, you need to do this or we expect you do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was only asked one question that's even relevant. Like if this was my calling, like I, I, I was simply asked to what degree have you learned to love? Mm-hmm. That was it, you know? And I, I don't know any greater love than the people under your own roof, you know, yeah. uh, or, or or, you know, I mean, it, 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 it was so personal and poignant, but you, you said that so perfectly that the, the, the big things are those little everyday mm-hmm. things we, we take for granted when they're sacred moments and we just don't, we, we're in heaven right there. And we don't right. realize
0: We don't even realize it. Yeah. I think that that is something that um, I have realized. And I think even like, as I get older, I think less is more, you know, I just, it's like, It's having those we I have a um a quote that hangs in our dining room upstairs that says if you want to um you know bring love to the world, go home and love your family. If you want to change the world, go it's Mother Teresa, you know. And I I I think I think that there is so much truth to that. So I mean, there's so many things that I could ask you, but I want to ask you for the person listening who is grieving the death of someone that they love or wondering how they're supposed to work through this and you know, wondering what they believe and if that person is with them. And, and I know you've already iterated this, but like, what is your message to that person, to that person who is like in that space that you were in, just deep grief and anger. And you, I, I mean, I just remember being in, it's almost like you're in a thick soup. Like you can't even move, your your whole body is heavy. You're, it's just, it's, it's awful. Um, I used to say that I felt like I was in cement. I couldn't like, I just, it was so heavy. I mean, what, what would you say to somebody that's there?
1: You know, I, I remember those days Mm -hmm. well, and, and they still any given Tuesday morning, you know, the wave of grief hits, um, keep breathing Mm -hmm. that that's just keep breathing. I mean, I, 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 and I, I don't mean to be emotional about that, but sometimes you just got to get to the next breath. And then maybe the next one, and then maybe there's twenty minutes, and then maybe an hour goes by. Um, it it will get better. Mm-hmm. It will it will get better. Um, and the why answers, you know, you're just there's not why answers. I I for so long I was like why why me why both of them why the leg if I've got to be here and raise a son couldn't I at least do it in an able body you know why 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 there was no answers.
2: Mm-hmm. until
1: I begin to shift it to what, you know, what am I learning from this kind of that earth school thing you brought up? What, what am I learning from this? How's this expanding my soul? And, 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 and how do I apply it? How do I, you know, how do I serve others? Here, here's one other thing. And this might sound crazy too, but this is what has worked for me. When I'm in the depths of grief, and when I was, and like I say, it's still grief is not something you get over. No. You, don't, you don't, you don't get over it. You, 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 you get used to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you get used you to live it. with it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and you, I mean, you know, this, you know, you, you've been there, done that. I, I one of my dear friends said, grief is like carrying a stone in your pocket. Mm-hmm. It never goes away, but you get used to the weight. Mm-hmm. But here's what I would do. And, and this is really interesting too, because I've, I've not found any better way to have inspiration come, you know, quickly. <laughs> I'll get in a place and I'll be still. I'll get quiet. And like I say, as a as a, you know, in my in in my before the near death experience, oh, I would, I would pray, but I was talking, I was saying all this stuff. Now when I pray, I shut my mouth and I listen, you know. <laughs> But I'll get in a quiet place and I'll simply ask the question, especially when I'm in the depths of grief, guilt, hurt, whatever. And I'll ask the question, what can I do for someone else today? And almost immediately, ideas will start popping. Somebody's face will appear in my mind's eye. I'll have that thought, gosh, I ought to text mom. You know, I haven't, haven't talked to mom this week. I mean, the simplest little thing, but somehow when we shift it or when I shift it outward focused, instead of like, help me, why me, mm-hmm. me, 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 by simply shifting it to what can I do for somebody else? And, and if it's a, it can be a simple thing. I mean, gosh, it might be, you know what? I'm going to give a candy bar to that homeless guy down on the corner. Somehow <laughs> the healing comes back tenfold. Somehow I feel way better for doing some silly random act of kindness and and it gets me through the day mm-hmm. you know or to the next hour or to the next breath or whatever that looks like
0: yeah no that's I think that's a beautiful answer and um yeah I think that it's very practical too that I think so in your life are you do you still have these dreams or the, you said the door was kind of open so mm-hmm. do you still communicate with Griffin or Tamara or other people? Like, what has that been like as the years have gone on?
1: I, I have two of the most magnificent guardian angels. Mm-hmm. And I'll promise you, you do too. I mean, <laughs> Ethan is a magnificent guardian angel. Boys, boys don't leave, mama, mm-hmm. without, without a big assignment mm-hmm. as a guardian. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. I, I, I had a dream a vivid dream, I had a vision, I'll just say it. I was wide awake when this happened. It was a very strange, transformative experience. And this is just before the book came out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, I'm myself standing in this old, beautiful pasture that we, you know, was part of the farm. And the thought of Griffin, 14 months. Mm. I looked over, and there there was this young man. It wasn't a toddler. This was a young, magnificent man. But I knew in a glance that's him.
2: Mm.
1: That's Griffin. And, and I wanted to rush to him, and and I couldn't. I couldn't get to him. But he looked at me. We we locked eyes, and that nonverbal communication started. And he communicated. I wanted you to remember this, Dad when you were 14 months old, so that you will know. I'll never forget being your little boy. Mm. And I'll never forget what it was like to have you as my dad. Mm. And I just, I mean, I just, I just, it's still emotional to talk about it. But I just, at that point, you know, wild horses couldn't have kept me. I, 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 I rushed to him. And again, it felt very tangible. I embraced him, he embraced me, and he's this big hunk of, a. I mean, he's, you know, he's taller than me and bigger than me, but here I am holding my boy who's really a grown man holding me. And then he did whisper, not not nonverbal, he whispered in my ear, he said, Dad, I have a message for you. And I'm like, what, what is it, you know, what is it? And uh, he said, here's the message. He said, I love you. And I'm proud of you.
2: Wow.
1: And I just, I just yeah. lost it, you know. And 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 yet, what it was is that was that was right before the book came out. Mm. And it, it was, it was I, I felt like it was his acknowledgement of saying, "Okay, you're doing some of the stuff that you survived this for." Yeah. And and for him to say, "I'm proud of you," made me keenly aware. They're there. Mm. they're loved ones who have passed, they're, they're watching us. They see it. And I also was aware, he was aware of my follies too, you know, mm. I mean, there's a lot that I might not be proud of, but he was saying, no, I'm proud of mm. you. So
0: it's kind of back do. to that, no judgment, that, yeah. that, that yeah. full love and acceptance. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Wow.
0: Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I, I mean, Jeff, I, your story is incredible. And, and I, I, I'm almost speechless, to be honest with you, at listening to your words. And, and, and you know, I'm coming up on 10 years of, of my son, Ethan. He died in uh, 2012. And for me, um, I will say it's been an unexpected wave of grief. I, I wasn't expecting it. And, and I'm, I'm in a good place. And, and I've worked through so many of these things we've talked about. And I'm so at the place of extreme gratitude that he came. And I know he's with me. I was, uh, in Boston about a week ago and I walked into a store and literally, as I put my foot inside the front door of the store, his favorite song started,
2: Yeah, you know? Yeah.
0: So I, I know that's him. I know he's like, Hey mom, I'm here, you know? Um, and just listening to your words, it's just been such a comfort to me to, you know, to hear them and just to remind me of what I know that I know. Um, and just to kind of rest in it, and and you know when we are loving our people, I think one of the things I also took have taken from this conversation is we we think we have to do things, you know, like for example, I run a nonprofit organization that is serves children and families with my son's um, illness, and I've really become aware recently. I could give it away tomorrow. He doesn't need me to do it. That's not, I mean, if that's my soul's journey to love people and to make an impact in that way, that's okay. But just this realization that they don't really want anything from us. And Do you feel
1: that? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, here's the crazy thing. I even experienced this with what I call God. There was no expectations.
2: Mm. There
1: was only love. That was unconditional love. Yeah. I, I, I have never felt that, um, Tamara or Griffin had expectations in any of these dreams or visitations or whatever you want to call them. They just love us. They just love us, period. That's, yeah, that's it. it.
0: Okay, so before we end, because I want to I, I be respectful of your time, I have kind of one question that's just randomly come to me as we're sitting here, but do you believe in reincarnation?
1: You know, here's the crazy thing. Um, yes, I do and 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 here's the interesting thing and and when when i was on the other side and i say wow i was home mm. when i was held in those arms of the divine here's what was so crystal clear and it was a very personal experience for me but i knew i was eternal mm. i had always existed and and i knew if that was true of me that was true of all of us i mm. I mean, when, when I, I can't, there, there aren't words to describe when these beloved arms held me and suddenly I, you know, was in this different consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, I'm an eternal being. Mm-hmm. I have no beginning or end. I have always been. I'm connected to the divine. I'm a manifestation of the divine.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: all are, you know, and this, this was mind blowing to me it's even mind-blowing as I hear myself say it but it was so evident and and so you know if I'm eternal well gosh how many experiences have I had
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I don't I don't believe we just sit on a cloud and play a harp when it's done I that that, you know um I've had vivid recollections Mm -hmm. of perhaps past lives Mm -hmm. you know And it's very unorthodox to talk about that in some circles, but but why not? And if there's nothing but love,
0: why not? And that's and that's the beauty of having these these experiences in our life where we have something really difficult that kind of jolts us and kind of cracks us open and then opens us up to asking these questions I think asking questions and things that you're wondering about that is, is the most important part of this journey I think that's one of the reasons we have them is because we can become more who we were created to be we can, you know that self discovery piece I think is such a beautiful part of the journey. And um, I, I echo that I, I, feel, I want people listening to know that you can ask the questions, you can wonder about things, you can find out about them, you can ask people what they think about them. I mean, it, that is part of, I think, the healing journey. And that is what I love about this conversation is that you have, we've, we've talked about things that are very unorthodox, right, that a lot of people might feel uncomfortable talking about. But I think that's where it's at. And I think that is what has gotten me through these 10 years is, is that discovery.
1: Yeah. Well, and you're so wise. I mean, I love what you said. The question, the question's more important than the answer. In yeah. fact, you never get you never get your answer unless you're willing to ask the question, and right? The
0: question. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, these these life rocking events. They, 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 they bring up a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they bring up a lot of questions.
0: Yeah. And a lot of invitations, right. To, to discover more of who we are. So, well, I just want to thank you, Jeff, for your time. I mean, I, your story's incredible. You're so generous with your time and um, sharing this with us. And um, I, I really look forward to hearing this and i will link your people can find you will link your instagram account is that the best place for people to find you if they want to yeah, follow you yeah
1: In, instagram's fine
0: facebook's okay. fine email website okay um, yeah we'll link all that and then you have a new book lastly i want to touch on yes. that real quick oh, yes, may, yes, yes. may 18th you've written a book with your son spencer entitled where are you right is that the yes. our, so tell us just real quick about that before we close
1: oh i'm so excited about this spencer who was only seven at the time, a child, you know. He lost everything I lost. He lost his mother. He lost his little brother. He lost his father for all intents and purposes. I was never going to be the same. And he never had an experience. See, I had these profound near-death, out-of-body experiences. He was a little boy, and he got nothing.
2: Hmm.
1: Where are you? The book, we've collaborated on it, you know, because my experience is different than his but the emotions we felt were very universal spencer my son and he's incredible but he's written this from the perspective of that seven-year-old wounded child mm. where are you you know i mean you were here and now you're gone and yep. and you know he he he. i mean we talked a lot we were very close and uh you know he he told me at one point he says dad i've begged for 12 years since I was a little boy just to feel mom and I've never had a dream. And you 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 say she came and visited and Griffin showed up, but I never got that. He was he was angry and hurt. And, yeah. And and yet he's become the most compassionate man I know. But but where are you is written from that. He, he's an adult now, he's 31 years old, but he wrote it from that seven-year-old perspective. But it covers the healing journey. Where do, where did you find peace? Where do you find you know, where did he find peace based on, he wasn't having a near-death experience, he was just a little kid that got the whole rug pulled out from under him, you know.
0: Yeah. I, I'm and, excited
1: about the book, May 18th. It'll May be 18th, on okay.
0: Amazon. We'll link that to in the show notes, and that's powerful, because there's a lot of siblings and kids out there that go through this, and they need words and ideas to kind of help them with their story, too. So, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. This has been such an incredible conversation and I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. And when you do, it helps us continue our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges in their lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation and the HeartStrong Collective. To learn more about our work, please visit... TheHeartStrong.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the HeartStrong Podcast.